right, well, happy Sunday. I'm so glad that you're with us today. If you missed last week, uh, I don't often do this, but I'd really encourage you, jump onto YouTube at some point this week and watch last week's message because this message is actually part two of what we started with last week. We're taking these first few weeks of the new year to not just talk about prayer, but we've entitled these two weeks the very request that the disciples gave to Jesus in Luke chapter 11, when they came to Jesus and they said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? So we don't just want to talk about prayer kind of as, as a concept. We're actually kind of leaning in and teaching, here's, here's how we do this. This is what this looks like as we're in this season of prayer and fasting. And so I hope you have something to, to take some notes because I'm going to continue on in a little bit more of a teaching format and approach today as we continue on and talk about prayer. In a moment, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6 to the Sermon on the Mount. But I was thinking about my journey of prayer in my life. I graduated Bible college, started out in full-time ministry as a youth pastor, and it was only after a couple of years that I found myself in a moment where my prayer life, it just felt flat, dead, dry. And, and I, I was kind of troubled by this because everything that I've ever saw and heard was like pastors are supposed to have just like this direct line connection to God, right? Like pastors, it's just, it's easy for you to pray. And I learned that maybe, maybe my thinking is off, and it set me on this journey where I was reading about prayer, I was reading some books, I was looking at the scripture, and I, I sensed God beginning to cultivate something new and fresh. In one book that I read, the author made this point that just as God gave each of us a unique fingerprint, the way that prayer works itself out in your, your life, it might look a little bit different than what it looks like in somebody else's life. In other words, there's, there's some of us in the room today, we are loud prayer people. Where are my loud prayer people at? Okay, there's not many in this gathering, I guess. <laughs> this, this gathering is the more contemplative crowd, right? This is the, the kind of quiet, you know, maybe, maybe just subtle. Some of us, we, we pray best when we're out in nature and we're just walking. Some of you, your prayer life has really grown because of your daily commute. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Your prayer life has increased just because you have to drive every day with people who clearly do not know Jesus <laughs> on the roads. But in that moment, I, I, I learned some things that, that maybe, maybe the way that I'm going to connect with God, it, it's not necessarily going to look just like everybody else, but in that same season, I discovered something that it shouldn't really have been a discovery. It was more like a rediscovery. I began to look at the words of the Lord's Prayer. And I realized these aren't just words to mindlessly repeat. Jesus is actually giving his disciples something to embed into their lives as, as a framework of how we approach God in relationship. And so to me, this was an incredibly transformative Moment. And I've had seasons where, where my prayer has been just incredible. I've had seasons where, where it feels a little bit dry and dead. But, but here's the good news. In and through every season, God continues to prove himself faithful. And the reason why I share that is I, I want to encourage some people today who 
Maybe your prayer life feels a little bit dry. Maybe it feels a little bit dead or dormant. And that's why these two weeks matter because we are on a journey to deepen and develop prayer as this community of Jesus followers called Life Center. We, we want to grow in this. Last week, I highlighted four things. If you weren't here, I'd like for you to write these down. I'm gonna go quick. I talked about if you wanna deepen and develop prayer in your life in 2024, number one, set a time and a place. In other words, like schedule it, put it, put it on the calendar, get intentional with it, ha- have some consistency. Not only that, number two, start simple and honest. Don't say, okay, I'm gonna start praying and and you haven't maybe ever really leaned into a prayer life and yet you sit down and you go, okay, I'm gonna pray for 30 minutes and you get to the end of that and you're like, I don't think I could ever do that again. It's much better to start simple and honest. So so maybe for you, the goal should be, I'm gonna spend three minutes every day in prayer. And the reason why I encourage us to start honest is is pray about what's actually on your heart. Don't pray about what should be on your heart. Pray about what's on your heart. Be authentic. Bring your real self before God. Number three, I talked about being fully present. I think one of the great dangers to discipleship in our generation is distraction. It's distraction. So what does this look like? Put your phone on do not disturb. Because I guarantee you, if you're looking to develop your prayer life in 2024, you're going to set a time and a place, you're going to start simple, and then all of a sudden you're going to start praying, and every person in your address book is all of a sudden going to remember that they need to text you about something. It's going to happen. So put your phone on, do not disturb. Be, Be fully present and available. Why? Well, that leads us to the fourth thing. Focus on relationship, not on the checklist. Be be fully present, yes, but the reason why we're fully present is prayer is a relational thing. We we have a relational God, amen? And he invites us into relationship, and prayer is this incredible gift that he gives us. Now today, when when you hear the word prayer, what what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind? I, I was reflecting on this this week, and my mind went back to being at my grandmother's house when I was little. In her house, she had, it was a copy. It wasn't the original painting, but it was a copy of this, this pretty famous painting. This, this old guy is kind of doing this right here at a table over some bread. Anybody ever seen that painting? All right. It's amazing how many people know exactly what I'm talking about when I say old guy and this. They're like, yep, prayer, gotcha. But I, I have that image. I think in our house, we had some, some hands that were carved like this. And I thought, okay, that's what prayer is. Others of us, when we hear the word prayer, we, we think about bringing our, our list of needs and saying them out loud in a special spiritualized language. You know what I'm talking about? I was amazed growing up where I... I I knew people, but all of a sudden when they started to pray, they had this like Southern drawl. (laughs) Like they, all of a sudden they kind of embodied this spiritualized language that you're talking different than you just talked to me a moment ago. What, What is that all about? Or they would all of a sudden, even though we live in modern times, all of a sudden like the spirit of God comes on them and they start saying thee and thou and thine. 
like outdated language that nobody uses today, but, but all of a sudden in this spiritual moment, this spiritualized language came over them. So some of us, maybe, maybe we think, well, that's what prayer is. Or maybe for you, you just think prayer, Tyler, listen, I, I'm, I'm down with Jesus. I love God. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. But prayer, it's just a little bit too abstract for me. I'm more of a black and white person, X's and O's. Like I, or, or maybe for you, when we talk about prayer, Tyler, you, you kind of get emotional. And I'm not, I'm not an emotional person. God, God didn't wire me with emotions. Okay, number one, false. But uh, for those of us who are maybe concerned about the emotion or, or do we have that or do we have to pray a, a certain way with kind of this special spiritualized language, I, I'm inviting us to maybe reconsider what prayer really is. Here, here's a few things that I want to encourage each of us to think when we think of prayer. Number one, think gift not guilt. Think gift, not guilt. I can't tell you how many people, the moment we start talking about prayer, because if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, you've been following God for a while, you know that, quote unquote, Christians are supposed to pray. But many of us, because we don't necessarily know how to or, or how to grow or develop this, our immediate response when we hear somebody talking about prayer is we feel guilty. Oh, I know I should do more, Tyler. I know. It's like some people, how they, they picture going to the dentist, right? Like, I know I should do that, but I just, you know. And until the pain of not going outweighs the pain of going, we sometimes miss out. But instead of focusing on guilt, because that's not the spirit of today, focus on the gift. God is inviting us to meet with him, to hear from him, to talk to him. Think presence and not pressure. Think, think presence. I get to be in the presence of God. The scriptures in the New Testament say, come before the throne of grace with boldness. Boldly enter that place. Why? Because there we find the presence of God. And I want us to get used to thinking about the presence of God and not a pressure that we apply on ourselves to, did I phrase everything just right? Am I, am I saying the, the thou in the right spot? Think presence, not pressure. Think connection, not condemnation. See, Romans 8 is, is an important declaration to each one of us who are followers of Jesus. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so maybe you've been serving Jesus for a long time, but you've never developed your prayer life. Listen, there is no condemnation. All there is in front of you is an opportunity to embrace deeper connection, abiding relationship with God. No condemnation. Focus on the connection. Also, think alive, not abstract. Especially those of us who are more sequential or we're a little bit more concrete thinkers, prayer can feel a little bit abstract. Like, well, what, what am I supposed to do? And how does this work? And give, give me the steps. Show me exactly what to say, how to say it, how quickly I can say it, and then I'll be done. But think about the fact that you are communicating with a God who is alive. He's alive. And therefore, our prayer should be 
alive. It's not, it's not some disconnected, abstract idea. We're talking with our God who is alive. Finally, think mystery, not misery. <laughs> think mystery, not misery. I know some of us, when we heard about like the prayer night coming up on Wednesday night, we're like, oh man, that was the last thing that I want to be at. Because it can sound intimidating. It, it can sound miserable, especially if we've never kind of grown our spiritual muscles in this area. But instead, I want you to think about the incredible mystery that prayer is. Somehow we, though we are human, we are fallen, we are flawed. Jesus has redeemed us. We're a new creation. And now God welcomes us to meet with him. Like we're, we're in Tacoma and yet we can be in the presence of God. That's a mystery. Man, that doesn't sound miserable. To me, that sounds like, how? Wow. I, I want to lean into this. You see, throughout scripture, there's, there's moments where there's these, what I would call an overlap moment where it seems like the space between heaven and earth become very thin. I think prayer can be that for us. Tyler, what do you mean by that? Well, in the Old Testament, one example would be a guy named Jacob. He lays down in this place. He has a pillow that's a rock. He falls asleep and he has this vision of heaven. It's almost like God is peeling back the veil. And, and in this vision, he sees the angels ascending and descending. And he wakes up and he says this, surely God was in this place. He calls it Bethel, Bethel. It seems like for whatever reason in that moment, heaven and earth, the space between them became very, very thin. But then in the New Testament, Jesus takes his disciples with him to go up on the mountain to pray. And there his figure is transformed. It's like he's, again, pulling back the veil and they're, they're beholding Jesus in his glorified state, and they're amazed. And though they were on top of the mountain, it's like the, the distance between heaven and earth was very thin. And here's what I love. On this side of the cross, every time we engage in prayer, we come into that thin place where God's presence is right here with us, friends. We know he's with us everywhere we go, but, but prayer is where we begin to focus in on the fact that, that we are meeting with the eternal, all-powerful, living God. And he wants us to, to come to him, and he wants to share with us. You see, prayer is both personal and relational, and that's why I want us, as we look into Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, would you grab those? As we look into Matthew chapter 6 and Jesus' teaching on prayer, Today, I want there to be freedom and liberty in each one of our lives. There should not be guilt or condemnation like, yeah, I know I should do that more. No, no, no. This is an invitation. This is gift. This is not guilt. And so let's lead in. I, I've put the words of the Lord's Prayer up here on these boards, and we're going to walk through this together. Jesus, he begins, before we see these words up here, he begins by saying, when you pray, you should pray like this. By the way, I think Jesus meant it. I, I think he actually meant when you, when you engage in prayer, you should pray 
like this. Now, the like this is what we're going to unpack today. We're going to teach on this, and then in a few moments, we're actually going to practice this together. We're going to put it into practice. But when you pray, you should pray like this. What's so amazing about the Lord's Prayer is that the Lord's Prayer is at the direct center of Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is basically three parts. That middle part is nine different sections. In the middle of the nine is the Lord's Prayer. There's design and intentionality with what the Spirit is trying to communicate to us as followers of Jesus through the Scripture. And here in this space... Again, Jesus isn't just giving us words to recite that we memorize and we kind of say kind of thoughtlessly disconnected. He's teaching us to embed some truth in our life in how we approach God. Notice these words. Let's unpack this together really quick. You should pray like this. And then he says that we should pray our Father. Can you say Father? This is relationship language. It's actually the focus of the Lord's Prayer. And notice that it's not just relationship with God. The very first word, as we recognize who we're coming to in prayer, Jesus encourages us to pray, our, our Father. You see, if you notice in the Lord's Prayer, you will not find I, me, my. Instead, all we see is our your, us. See, even though you are saved by personal faith in Jesus, your faith is never designed to just stay alone. So even in the Lord's Prayer, we, rec- we, we recognize I'm a part of the body of Christ. And so though I'm praying at home, maybe alone, I'm praying, God, I thank you that you are our Father, that that I'm a part of your body, I'm a part of your family. And this is all relational language, our Father in heaven. And then I want you to notice there's kind of two specific breaks. Each of these has three specific petitions. Notice the focus. In the first section, we see a key word, your your, your. Anybody notice that? See, this first section of prayer is reminding us that our allegiance and our loyalty, it belongs to God. And before I get to my needs, I'm recognizing his rule, his reign, his authority over every area of my life. In the second section, we see a different word. We see what? Us, yes. Us, us. Us, us, there we go. Three petitions in each of those sections. So so let's unpack this. Our Father who is in heaven. The relationship component is so important. Why? Because in the first few pages of scripture, we see God's desire to walk as our Father, even in the garden. But something went horribly wrong. What was that? Mankind said, my will be done, not thy will be done. That something went wrong. 
And yet God's desire to be our father has never diminished. And the good news is through Jesus, we we see the father on display, his unrelenting pursuit and desire for us. Jesus taught his disciples first to pray what? Your name be honored as holy. Can you say that with me? Your name be honored as holy. If you memorize maybe a, an older translation, or how many of you remember singing the song, The Lord's Prayer, right? We, we use more like King James language. And so maybe you don't know or recognize this. It, another way to say this is, hallowed be your name. What, what does that mean? Well, hallowed is, is a word for holy. And what is, what is holy all about? What, what does this actually lead us to understand? What's the, the call to action? When we say that God's name is holy, when we say our God is holy, we are saying he is unique. He's one of a kind. Another way to say this is he is set apart. So quite literally, Jesus is teaching us to pray, God, may your name be honored as holy, set apart. Now, here's here's why I think this matters. Our prayer does not help God become more holy. Just in case you were wondering. God's not not going, oh man, I sure hope they pray today because my holiness tank is kind of running low. No, what, what Jesus is teaching us to pray is in the midst of a world that does not set apart God's name, his character, his righteousness. Come on, let's be honest. How many of you in your workplace, God's name is not honored as holy? How many of you in your neighborhood, in our city, in our county, in our nation, it's almost like God's name is diminished, used in vain. And instead, Jesus is teaching us, Lord, let us set your name apart as Holy, we are praying that his name will be honored in a world that does not treat his name as such. See, what this means is, as the church, we we don't just pray these prayers. We also understand, as I pray this prayer, I have an assignment to make sure that the name of my God is not profaned in my generation. In other words, when people look at the church, when they look at Christians, when they look at our lives, do we give them a reason to hallow the name of God or to diminish the name of God. We pray, God, may your name be honored as holy. We go on, all right? Your what? Your kingdom come. Now, this this is kind of new language for many of us who have grown up in America. We, We understand the concept, but what is Jesus getting at? Notice that we're not taught to pray, God, let my kingdom be established. Let my will be done. Jesus says we should pray, Father, let your kingdom come. Now in the kingdom, how many of you know this was Jesus' number one message that he he preached? The arrival of of the kingdom. In fact, before he gets to the arrival of kingdom, he, he used this word, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. And so let me ask, has Jesus' kingdom come? 
It's not a trick question, I promise. The answer is yes, right? The kingdom has come, but, but many of us, we hesitate to say yes. Why? Because we look around our world and we see spaces where his kingdom has not yet fully invaded or permeated that space. How many of you who are followers of Jesus know that his kingdom has come in your life? How many of you would also say, has his kingdom infiltrated and impacted every single part of your life? Probably not. How many know that's a lifelong journey? That's a lifelong process. And so Jesus is teaching us as disciples, God, let your kingdom, your rule and reign come in my life. Let your rule and reign take place. So when we pray this, we're praying, God, let your kingdom come in Tacoma. Let your kingdom come in Pierce County. But also, not just out there, God, let your kingdom come in here. God, let your kingdom come in my attitudes. Let your kingdom come in my desires. Let your kingdom come. Set up your rule and reign. Next, he teaches us to pray what? Your will. Your will be done where? As it is in, okay. Your will be done. Your will be done. If I'm honest, so often my prayers tend to lean towards Tyler's will be done. God, get on Tyler's page. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? But in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is teaching us, God, let your will be done where? Be ready to be amazed. There's Florida. Come on, that's pretty good. You, you should try this sometime, okay? But, but capture, capture what Jesus is inviting us to pray. Many, many Christians assume that the goal of following Jesus is to pray the prayer, say yes to him. Why? So that someday we can escape this and get up here. Oh, thank you, thank you. Some people are like, Tyler, clearly you did not pass art class. Hey, it's okay, it's okay. But many, many people, when they think about what Christianity is, you pray a prayer so that someday you can get out of this place and get up to that place. And although that thought has some accuracies to it, why? We know that Jesus says to the thief on the cross the day that he's being crucified, Today, you will be with me in paradise. So we know that scripture teaches to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But notice how Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. He's not saying, when you pray, pray like this. God, get me out of here. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done where? 
on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, it seems like Jesus is teaching us as disciples to pray that the realities of heaven would be made known here on earth and not just someday Christians getting out of earth. That we want to see the reality of the kingdom, the manifestation and the reality of heaven come to focus here on earth. God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In my family, in my workplace, in Tacoma, in Life Center, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. You see, this first section, it's all about loyalty and allegiance to God. God, your way, your way, your way, your plan, your purpose. And then Jesus invites us to bring our requests. I love this this next section. Jesus teaches us to pray, give us today our what? Daily bread. Daily bread. Can you think about any other place in scripture where God's people had to trust in him to provide bread every single day? Wilderness, right? Wilderness. Capture this. God provides in the book of Exodus this stuff called manna. The word manna literally means what? Question mark. That's that's the translation of manna. They looked at, they walked outside and and God provided bread and they're like, manna? Yeah, manna. That's what manna means. And the key was every single day they had to go out and gather it. They couldn't store it up. They couldn't compile it for next week. They had to go every single day to get the provision they needed. Where? From God. And notice, when Jesus is saying this, he's talking to a primarily Jewish audience, their minds would have gone, whoa. Why? Because in the Exodus, God set his people free from slavery. And They're on this journey to get to the promised land, but they're not yet in the promised land. And so what do they do? They have to depend on God today for their daily bread. Some of you are catching this right now. Because here's the good news. In our lives, Jesus has set us free from slavery to sin. And someday the promised land will come in its fullness. But I want to remind each and every one of us, we are living in the in-between moment right now. And so we pray this prayer, God, give us today our daily bread. Meet my needs today. This isn't a prayer to meet our wants. This is a prayer, God, would you be the source and meet my needs? He continues on. He says, and forgive us. Can you say forgive us? Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven. Notice the past tense, our debtors. Forgiveness is one of the markers of life in the kingdom. As forgiven people, what are we called to do? We are called to forgive. It's the heart of the kingdom message. Forgiven people forgive. We extend forgiveness. And so when we come before God in this prayer, what are we saying? We're saying, God, to the level that I've forgiven others, would you forgive me the same? Let me know that that changes things, doesn't it? 
That changes things. We're, as people who have received forgiveness, we're called to extend forgiveness. And we need, understand, repentance is not a one-time thing in the life of a Jesus follower. Repentance is a daily reality. Because it's not just the things that we shouldn't have done that we did. It's also the things that we should have done that we didn't do. Sins of omission, sins of commission. God, forgive us our debts. And then finally, he teaches us to pray what? Bring us, or do not bring us into what? Temptation. But deliver us. See, one, one of the things that we recognize here is I can't deliver me. I can't be my own deliverer. I need God's deliverance in my life. I need his power. I need his provision. I need his protection. Can anybody think in Jesus' own lifetime a moment where he was tempted? In the wilderness, right, when he was fasting 40 days. Again, in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he was facing the reality of the cross. And yet Jesus, instead of doing what our original ancestors did, Adam and Eve, and say, no, 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 my will instead of thy will, Jesus said this, thy will be done. Thy will be done. You see, the, the point of this prayer is understanding. Number one, I can't deliver myself. But also, Lord, would you keep me from trial? Would you keep me from challenge? Would you keep me from temptation? God, deliver me from temptation. God does not tempt us. James makes that perfectly clear. Each one of us is dragged away and enticed when our own evil desire. God is not the tempter. But we're praying, Lord, would you keep us from temptation? But here's the point. Yet even if I walk into temptation, even if I walk into challenge, even if I walk into crisis, God, I know that you will deliver me. You're my deliverer. You're my strength. You're my source. You see, the second section is all about us trusting God. Trusting God to be our provision. Trusting God and depending on him as the one who goes before us. Today, I want us not just to talk about it. I want us to practice it. And here's why. Some of us, it, prayer is, is still kind of this abstract theory, but I want to invite you into how I pray through this prayer. A number of years ago, we, we took the Lord's Prayer and I added a number of letters. I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor, and so I used all the same starting letter, the letter P. There you go. It's just how I am. And this prayer, this model, it's actually available in your Life Center app. If you go under resources, you can download the Lord's Prayer guide. But there we took this Lord's Prayer and we, we gave seven P's that we pray through. We're doing this for 21 days of prayer and fasting. First, we start here in this area and we, we start by praising God. Can you say praise? We praise God for who he is. We recognize who we're talking to. We, we're honoring his name as holy. We move from praise and then we pray about purpose. Can you say purpose? We want his 
purpose to be accomplished, not just our own. So we start kind of focused on who we're praying to. Then we focus in, God, let your purpose be accomplished. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Next, Jesus taught us to pray for our provision. Can you say provision? So we're asking him to provide. We're asking him to be the one who gives us our daily bread. We go to him, we trust in it. We don't trust our own knowledge, our own ability, our own uh, strength to earn. No, we, we trust in God to be our provider. Next, we, we pray this, we pray purity in our lives. Can you say purity? Again, repentance is not just a one-time thing in the life of a Jesus follower. Daily we pray, God forgive me as I extend forgiveness to others. God, teach me to forgive as you've forgiven me. We're praying purity in our lives. And again, not just for the wrong things we did, but scripture also says sin is when we don't do the good that we know we should do. We need God's grace in our lives. The good thing is mercy is new every day. Anybody else thankful for that? Purity. Finally, we, we get down to this last section and we, we focus in both on his power and his protection. Can you say power? Can you say protection? Do not bring us into temptation. God, would you give me power today? Not my own ability. I need your power. I need your strength. Holy Spirit, strengthen me today. But, but even if I face temptation, deliver me, protect me, defend me, strengthen me. And then finally, the the last thought, if you look in your, your modern Bible right now, it might say one more line. If you have an older translation, it'll say another line. It says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. If you have a newer Bible, it's in your footnote because it's connected to an older manuscript that we found newer, more reliable manuscripts, but it's still a part of scripture. For yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever and ever. What are we praying there? We're praying God's priorities. So today, more than just talking about it, let's do it. Can I invite you right where you're at? Would you just take a moment, maybe, maybe bow your head? Because for some of us, prayer has been mysterious and God's calling us into a season where where he wants us collectively to lean into relationship with him. Prayer is relational in its nature. It's not just a checklist. And so let's, let's pray together. Let's begin with, with praise. Father, I thank you for who you are. Father, I thank you for the ways that, that you revealed yourself throughout scripture and we can know your character, we can know your nature as we look into the truth of scripture. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored as holy. God, in the midst of a world that diminishes your name, I pray that we would be a church that lifts up the name of Jesus. God, I pray that we would remember how you revealed yourself with different names in the Old Testament. You said that you are Jehovah Jireh, you're the God who provides. So God, we thank you for that. I thank you, you told us you're our healer when you said you are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. 
Thank you that you reminded us that you're our righteousness when you said that you are Jehovah Sidkenu, you're the Lord, our righteousness. God, thank you that you're our peace. You reminded us that you are Jehovah Shalom. You are the God of peace. Lord, may your name be honored as holy. Jesus, thank you for all the ways in John's gospel that you declared through your I am statements who you are. Jesus, you said that you are the bread of life. You are the good shepherd. You are the gate for the sheep. Lord, I thank you that you are the vine and our lives are connected to you. We are the branches. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit, thank you today that you are our our power. You're our strength. You're our source. I thank you that you lead us into all truth. Holy Spirit, we rest in you and we, we rejoice that you now live within us. God, we praise you for who you are. Let's take a moment and pray God's purpose to be accomplished. Father, today we pray, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, may your kingdom infiltrate every part of our lives. The way we think, the way we speak, the way we act, the way we use our time, the way we use our money. God, let your kingdom come. May your will be accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. So God, let your will be done here in Tacoma as it is in heaven. Let your will be done here in Pierce County as it is in heaven. God, we pray, let your will be done here in the United States of America as it is in heaven. But God, we pray that also over our families, over our lives, over our relationships, over our vocations. God, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Lord, we're inviting you to establish your rule and reign over our lives. God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let's pray for his provision right now. Father, we look to you to provide for us today our daily bread. God, thank you that you are our provider. Lord, thank you that in our journey, you've you've brought us out of slavery to sin, and yet we know and we long for the day where you will establish a new heaven and a new earth. We will truly experience the promised land, but God, in this in-between space, we pray your provision over our lives. God, would you provide for our financial needs? Would you provide in our physical health? Would you provide in our relationships? Would you provide for our companies that we lead? Would you provide in our communities that we live within? God, we're asking you today to give us our daily bread. God, we pray as well for purity. God, would you purify our hearts? Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So Lord, I pray, would you teach us to forgive as you have forgiven us? Lord, today we release any unforgiveness, any bitterness, any offense that we picked up along the way. God, we forgive. And so Lord, I pray as you have forgiven us, we extend that forgiveness. But Lord, as well, would you shine your light on us? God, would you purify us? Father, would you forgive us for our pride? Would you forgive us for our self-centered living? God, forgive us for the times where we knew right, but we didn't do it. We went our own way instead. And other times we knew what was wrong and we went there anyway, even though we should have taken the way of escape that you provided. 
God, would you give us purity in our hearts and lives? So Jesus, thank you that you provide that purity. You are the source of that. God, we also pray for your power to be at work in our lives and your protection. God, do not lead us into temptation, but even if we face temptation, even if we face challenge, even if we face trial, God, would you deliver us? God, deliver us. We pray for your power and your protection over our lives. God, we live in a fallen world. Your kingdom hasn't yet fully been exposed in every area. And so we live in a broken, fallen world. So God, would you empower us and would you protect us? God, may we rest in you. May we trust in you. Father, even as we pray this, may we be reminded in a fresh way, we can't deliver ourselves. We need you. And finally, Lord, we pray your priorities. Father, it's your kingdom, it's your power, it's your glory. It's your kingdom, it's not our kingdom. So God, let your kingdom rule and reign. It's your power, it's not ours. God, I thank you that scripture declares where we are weak, you are strong. And God, ultimately this life is not for our glory. We live for the glory of another. His name is Jesus. So Lord, be glorified. Be glorified in and through our lives. Be glorified in and through Life Center. Be glorified through our families. Be glorified as we use our hands and our mouths and our vocation. God, be glorified. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 You just prayed through the Lord's Prayer. And here's what I love. You you can do this anytime. You can do this on your commute. You can do this while you're at home. But I want to encourage all of us, see prayer for the gift it really is. Is. Can I invite you to stand to your feet all across this room? We say this almost every week, but in a moment you're going to be sent out of this place. Remember, we don't just go to church, we are the church, and we get to go and live as the church this week throughout Tacoma, Pierce County. So listen, God bless you. We'll see you really soon. If you have any prayer needs, some of our pastors and prayer team will be up here. God bless. We'll see you next week.